You're listening to the penis. Penis? What? What are you listening to? Shame on you. You're listening to the Painted Goddess podcast with Jennifer Harishu. This is episode number 79. Hello, witches. How are you today? This week has been another long year. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure that that joke will get old, so bear with me. Um, (laughs) Listen, I'm so excited you're here today. I have a very exciting podcast, I think, um, lined up for you. What I I'm really focused on this week is helping you understand how we move through astrology and why it can be of use. I had an interview earlier this week, um, actually this weekend with a dear friend of mine and member of the lab, Corey Hawkins, who's an amazing plant lady, as well as Foxy Astrology, Jennifer Fox from Foxy Astrology. And that that interview will be, you know, maybe available at a later date. Um, it's being um, processed right now. But I'm really excited. It brought up so many things in my mind. And we had a great conversation. But the last few days after, I've just been thinking more and more about what it is that astrology is really useful for and how I can express that better. Because it's really easy, I think, for me to internalize the messages and lessons that I've gleaned from astrology. And I think it's really easy to see, um, you know, maybe just the funny side of it or the the lighthearted side or even the surface level side of astrology. But to go deeper is not always something that people think is like useful to them. Like, why would I study astrology? And the study of astrology, you know, the other thing that is in the sphere, okay, I'm just going to drop something else in the sphere for me right now and for you to consider is I started reading um, A Candle in the Dark by Carl Sagan. Now, Carl Sagan is a scientist. He is pro-science. He's not really that enthralled with astrology and, in fact, really calls it a pseudoscience and pseudo meaning fake, right, or simula- a simulated science, pseudo. Um, and I think it's interesting to just kind of consider the uses of it and where to place it and how important it is to make sure we're not replacing, you know, astrology for lots of things. But I think what I have been teaching and I think that still tracks here, but I'm excited to kind of go deeper into it is that it can be used to basically, uh, help you you know, guide your spiritual journey. It can help with self-inquiry and it can help you evolve as a person. And it also can be used to pinpoint and um, to clarify your purpose in life. And 
granted, you can choose any purpose that you like, regardless of your astrology, right? In fact, <laughs> astrology has a lot of thoughts about freedom and potential. And one of the things I want to talk about today is the axis of Gemini and Sagittarius, notably because we are just beginning Sagittarius season. We started Sagittarius season this weekend on the 21st of November, and as we do every year around that time. And so that means that the sun moved into the to the sign of, a, of Sagittarius. And so I'd like to talk a lot about that because of you know, we're getting at the end of this 2020 year. We've been learning lots of lessons, tough love lessons from the universe. And what it's, what are we supposed to make of all of this? Um, and I think that people are kind of coming out of the woodwork to offer really great psychological tools to help level the level, level our brains, level our nervous systems, regulate and manage our thoughts. And as we kind of go on the psychological journey as humans, I think we can notice a steep incline of awareness around things like trauma, uh, things like how our mindset actually matters, how, you know, how each of us maybe particularly uh, addresses problems or looks for solutions, um, what we're good at, you know, what is in our nature. You know, and I always, you know, we were talking a lot when I was, when I was young, science always, science class, always biology classes, always wanted to talk about nurture versus nature, right? Like, which is it? And posited it as some chicken or egg situation. And what I love about most about astrology is that it's not nurture versus nature. It's nurture and nature. And we recognize that we're capable of an entire sky, Right. And the wheel of the zodiac expresses so much depth with which it within the whole body of human and uh, human woman, um, like, like just the 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 human experience, as well as I would say um, the experience of being on this planet. And so I'm excited to kind of delve into that. It's a really heady, big subject. I'm hoping I can fine tune it enough to make it useful to you. Um, and so that's very exciting to me. Okay, but first, housekeeping. How's everybody doing? I hope that you are, you know, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep. Um, <clears throat> it's been quite an election season in the U.S. and beyond. You know, I know that there is us also this global pandemic, um, you know, kind of affected our entire year and as we go closer to the season where we celebrate and you know there are a lot of religious holidays during this time of year and a lot of ways that we you know have to kind of grapple with um, darker times a darker side of the year and then yet you know I have friends in Australia who are like yeah the sun's coming out so you know because they're headed towards summer so it's easy to forget, I think, from a centric point of view of wherever you're at, that this is what the world is like everywhere. But the reality is, is that the duality on the earth happens all the time, okay, which speaks to my point that I am excited to talk about, I guess, <laughs> later. But um, I like to remember that. I like to remember that it's always 50-50, you know, half of us are experiencing heading into winter and the darker 
parts of the year and half of us are experiencing going into um, the light and the lighter part of the year and more, you know, more growth, more abundance, more flowers, more vegetables, right? All these things. So right now, you know, of course, from my own experience, I speak much more um, about, you know, my point of view, which is from that Northern hem Hemisphere point of view. So, you know, take it for, for what it's worth. When I started kind of looking at what I wanted to do for the rest of the year, I had said, okay, I'm going to do six podcasts that kind of really focus on astrology for the end of the year. There's some big transits happening. And today I'm not really talking about a huge transit. I mean, this transit happens every fucking year, right? The sun moves into Sagittarius every year in November. Um, but what's, what's interesting about this time and, and right now is that the lunar nodes are there. So the south node is in Sagittarius. Okay. And it's, um, the south node is, um, the, the axis where the moon crosses the elliptic. And if you want to really look at that and be able to envision this, I highly recommend a YouTube video. Just go and Google, <laughs> right? Go Google, um, lunar node, video, you should be able to find something that will show you in, you know, kind of 3D animated fashion, what it means when we're talking about the lunar nodes in physicality, okay? They're really not actually planets. It's not another moon. It's not anything. It's actually a, um, it's like a ghost placement in, and everyone has it in their chart. So the lunar nodes will shift every year and a half, every 18 months or so. And um, interestingly enough, then, of course, every 18 years, we end up with um, a lunar node, a nodal return. And so that it's just like any other planetary return in regards to how astrologers read this. A return means that there's a conjunction of a natal placement and a transiting placement. So the the placement of the planet, or in this case, the lack of a planet, that lunar node in your birth chart, when it says there's a return, it just means that now in the now, in the real, in the present time, that same placement is in that, or that same uh, planet or uh, planetary um, point in, in your chart is in the same place. Okay. So it's returning home, right? It's returned back to its original spot the moment you were born. And so if you're experiencing a nodal return, that means that you have your north node in Gemini and you have your south node in Sagittarius. Now, it's possible that you are having a nodal reversal, right? That you have your north node in Sagittarius and your south node in Gemini. So these nodes shift and um, just it takes um, nine years for you to have an, a nodal reversal, right? Because it's constantly shifting, turning. You know, you think of it like a big clock, and it's kind of really an interesting way to look at how cycles really affect our lives because each thing is turning in this wheel and we get these quarters, right? We get the quarter time and then we get the, the half time when it's right across from it called opposing, right? Or a opposition. And then we get the, the uh, second square and then we get the return. Now, all planets do this because they're moving around. The best way to think of it 
that I think is most common for people to understand is the moon phases, right? We have a first quarter moon, which looks like half of the moon is there. We have a full moon, which is, of course, the full moon. We have the third quarter moon, which looks like the other half is there, right? From the first half. And then we have a new moon, which is invisible to our eyes in the sky uh, because of the way that the sun is reflecting it. Now, this happens in general with every planet, except it doesn't have to it doesn't have to do with being illuminated by the by the sun as much as it has to do with going around the zodiac signs, that wheel in the sky that journey talks about. Right. So so looking at your natal chart, you can find the north node. It looks like um, I always think of it as looking like lady hair, like a 50s wig has these little curls on the side. And then it's reversed, it's upside down um, for the south node. At any rate, I wanted to talk about this node because, and or this axis, because in Sagittarius season this year, it might feel a lot different. So we'll get into that. Um, you know, it's, it's, I want to take this opportunity to, you know, welcome you and invite you to the Astrologic Lab. If you're interested in digging into this part of your chart and really going deep and understanding how these um, placements are in your chart, we have resources in the lab. There was a nodal a lunar nodes class that we did. And in fact, you know, the woman I mentioned earlier who did the interview, uh, Corey Hawkins, she taught that class. She researched that class and I made the slides and supported her to share her findings. It was a beautiful class and it's recorded in, in the lab video archive. Um, so there's tons of classes that are video archived. Um, you know, I would say um, maybe 50 hours worth of classes at this point, as well as workbooks for every planet through um, from, you know, from a Gemini rulership to um, Sagittarius now. And then we've also got um, these elementary, I call them the Astrologic Lab elementary uh, worksheets where you can practice your symbol writing for each of the signs and the planets. So it's kind of fun. I really love it. I'm excited. I think once um, all of that work is kind of um, complete, I'm going to be making a workbook and I'm, I'm looking at um, publishers for that. But I'm really excited about this work. I think it makes um, astrology kind of fun and tangible um, and it focuses on small bits. So if you're new to astrology, it's a great place to start. But if you're if you're actually advanced or, you know, everyone knows that astrology, it feels endless. We can learn forever, you guys, with this stuff, because Astrology is just as varied and, and endless as we are ourselves. So um, I'm excited to see what other people in the lab come up with when they look into their own charts and the realizations that they have. It's been pretty phenomenal and just such a great ride. And I'm super grateful this year for everyone who's come into the lab and who's stayed. Um, but also those who came in and transited out, right? Like it's cool. Like sometimes it's not um, aligned to really focus on that work long term. And so and that's OK. Right. It's here. It's here for the long term. And um, but it's definitely not something that everyone feels the need to stay in forever and really just focus on. You know, it's something that I have found great 
joy in and a lot of um, those of you who've been in the lab for a while or intend to stay, you know what I mean. It's just like this really beautiful way to connect to myself. It's a beautiful way to connect to others. It's a beautiful way to connect to the earth and her seasons and to really feel into what's going on and, and to connect to that. So um, one last thing, just housekeeping, is that I have closed the books for the Jupiter year ahead spread. So um, those are done for the year, but I am creating a mini reading. Um, I had a lot of clients kind of, you know, not be able to really do the full meal deal. And I only had so many spots to do um, these long Jupiter year ahead readings. They're ending up being like two hours long. It's ridiculous. Um, super good value, something that can kind of take you through all of next year. Um, but I, I wanted something that was a little more of a mini reading and offering and even something that might be good for gifts. So if you have a friend who maybe is interested in astrology or but has never really had a reading or doesn't know and you're listening and you, you know, know that I'm, you know, really excited. and I love this work. Um, and you feel called, I want to invite you to check out um, my offerings on paintedgoddess.com slash 2021. That's that page and the link will be in the show notes. Um, I do have to create it. So it's kind of funny. It may not be there yet. Um, it'll be there by this weekend for sure. But I'm creating a mini reading where I'll do a two oracle card spread, as well as just a natal chart check to look at where Jupiter is for you in 2021 and um, and what is kind of the main themes to focus on. Like, where are you growing? Because Jupiter is all about growth, okay? And Jupiter rules Sagittarius. So we're really in this time of year right now where everything is um, is is expanding and growing and we're, we're feeling this kind of buildup, right? It's almost like it, it gets to be this point where it starts to feel like it's going to burst. And of course, you know, we're seeing, unfortunately, um, the Jupiter and Pluto con um, conjunctions that have happened in Capricorn have this year indicated times where the coronavirus um, numbers have spiked. And we've experienced that again. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to keep going down. And I was looking at the astrology to kind of see maybe if there were indicators of how this is going to work out. The fact is that I can see is that as um, as Saturn and Jupiter move into Aquarius towards the end of this year in December, and I'll do a whole podcast about that, people are really going to be um, fervently looking for freedom. And for some people, that means the freedom to do whatever they want regardless. And I have a feeling that this kind of trend might continue. There is a large movement, and I believe this to be true, where people are starting to recognize that freedom is attached to responsibility. That's what we've been expressing, like finding out in, um, you know, while Jupiter moves through Capricorn this year, it's like you don't get freedom without responsibility. There is a responsibility to act um, with, you know, in, in, in regards to keeping each other in our minds and safe. And what does that mean? It, it means different things for everyone. And I know that there are people that I um, have talked to that, um, that feel as though all these things are politicized and it doesn't, you know, but when we look, when you look outside of, 
your own bubble. You can see the impacts of different ways that um, there's been responses to this to this pandemic. And, you know, history is repeating itself. I have been kind of on the side and even in the lab and, and in a few of my other, you know, lives and different things that I do, alluding to the fact that we're in this echo chamber. There's lots of echoes and, um, you know, the, yeah, so the astrology of I need to go and look. Every time I go down a rabbit hole, it's very, very interesting. So there's been um, echoes certainly around civil rights this year with Aries and Chiron and the retrograding um, Chiron and Aries. And that has a lot to do with the fact that Chiron is returning um, in United States natal chart. So Chiron is in Aries in um, the United States. We also had a summer where we had Mercury retrograding in Cancer, and that is also a, um, a birth placement, Mercury was retrograding in Cancer when the U.S. was born, July 4th, 1776. So these things are repeating, um, and it's bringing to the forefront, you know, the egoic, emotional, um, you know, trauma of all of the ways that we seek freedom. I was, it was brought to my attention, too, talking about U.S.'s chart, that, um, the U.S. has a Sagittarius rising and Sagittarius is known for its optimism, its freedom seeking, right? It wants to expand the parameters of everything it touches. It wants to reach further and be progressive. It, and it wants to understand. There's a seeking to understand. And there's also this sense of positivity. The shadow side, of course, is that the positivity has to be balanced. Everything is 50-50, as I said. And so, again, you've got, it's interesting, you know, you've got Capricorn season right after Jupiter ruled by Saturn. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, and it and it seeks to put a perimeter around that which Jupiter has expanded into and said, okay, that's enough. That's enough. It has to, you know, it clamps down. So, we are, and you know, we are really in um, an age where we're moving into a more collective sense of freedom. We've been learning about how others are not as free. You know, there's so many varying degrees of freedom across this globe because of social media, because of technology, okay, Aquarian age technology, modern technology, we have been able to see firsthand what that means on the other side of the world. And so there's definitely been this kind of um, uh, awakening to the reality of what's not right in front of us. And yet now we've been um, maybe um, with Neptune um, retrograding through Pisces almost all this year, you know, there's so much delusion around what's really happening. And really no one knows what the true reality is anymore. And arguably, you know, there's a lot of sp speak about timelines and how different people are existing in different timelines. And I feel that. But the, but the Virgo in me, the grounded and very, um, uh, what's the word? You know, I, 
the thing I want to make things real. I want to bring things into the real life. So it's very good and all. And I have a Gemini rising. Like I want ideas to flourish. I want ideas to kind of go as far as they possibly can. And yet what good are ideas if we don't bring them into reality? That's the, the kind of dichotomy there with my chart myself. You probably have your own dichotomy, right? So you notice when you read your sun sign astrology, it's like, oh yeah, well that's me, but that's not me because I also have this other side. And we always are incorporating different pieces of the astrological wheel and how it plays out in our personal, again, nurture and nature. So anyways, that's kind of a, my long winded way of saying, come join the lab, come chill out with us, come learn with us. I do classes usually two or three times a month, which has been really cool because people are coming to them. So as long as people keep coming to them, I'll do classes um, that often. Um, I think in December we are doing three again, one of which is a coaching session where you can ask me any question that you want and I will take a few minutes to answer your specific question or look at your chart, what have you. So, yeah. Um, but if you're interested in a reading for that Jupiter Year Ahead mini reading, go to um, paintinggoddess.com slash 2021. Or you can go to my website and click on Witches Marketplace. And actually, there are so many cool witches, friends of mine that have made things for the holidays. You can support their small business. You can support their witchy badassery and, um, you know, and then get your yourself or someone you love something really cool. Okay. When we get back, I will um, just kind of lay down what we're going to talk about in regards to Sagittarius season, the Gemini eclipse full moon that's coming, and why it matters that the nodes are where they are right now. Okay, welcome back. I am really excited to share. I've been reading. So, you know, what's on my desk this fall? I have um, always, I've been reading a lot more this year. Um, last year, I read a lot less. I was working on my business, building foundations, that kind of thing. The year before, I read so much. And the year before that, and that, and that, and that, because I was driving. Well, and I didn't read. Let me, I listened to a lot of audiobooks, which is, I highly recommend that. I love verbally processed things, <laughs> hence the podcast. I also love to hear authors read their work in their own voice and hear that come through. It's always so satisfying to me. Um, so, but one of the books that I picked up on the recommendation of a client of mine was the Shamanic Astrology Handbook, revised and expanded, um, by Daniel Giamar Giamario uh, with... Uh, Kaylin Castell. And this was written originally, um, I want to say 1970 something. Not true. 94, 95. Um, there's another book that's from the seventies about, um, astrological psychology that I was just finishing anyways. So this book, um, the shamanic astrology handbook, 
um, written originally in 1994-95, but there have been revised um, ad- additions made in 98, 2002, 2012, 2014, and 2018. So this is definitely, um, you know, a pretty modern, you know, updated book. There are things in here. It's really interesting. You can tell that um, they they kind of reserved the right to upgrade it because they knew how astrology works. Astrology is constantly shifting and our perspective to it is different. It's just like when you watch sci-fi from the early 90s and they pictured 2020 with you know, flying cars and hoverboards and like everybody's just all over the place. 2020 seemed so far off, right? And that our, we would be so much different. Of course, we are very much creatures of habit and we stick to what we know. Thanks, Capricorn. Okay, so Jupiter and Capricorn has been there all this year. We're going to move into a new kind of era with Jupiter moving into Aquarius as well as Saturn. Saturn's been in Capricorn for a long time. And it's been wanting us to figure out what the fuck we're doing with our traditional kinds of laws, regulations, political systems, all of that stuff. And Pluto has been moving through there since 2009, I want to say. And so there's been, you know also this tearing up of the soil um and it's it's time right so anyways this book has been really very cool it reads like a handbook would where there's sections that are very specific to signs and placements but really i've been reading it as an astrologer you know kind of all the way through i did jump through a little bit to see like what it said about me because everything's you know funner with astrology when you're like well tell me about me um But what I really love about this book is the way that it shifts the language. So, of course, this is a little different. I use Placidus charts to read astrology. I think that split houses between signs are really interesting because there's nuance there. There's nuance between having, um, you know, for me, having Gemini and Cancer in my first house is a vibe. Okay, that's a vibe. It's not the same vibe as me saying my whole first house is in Gemini, even though my rising begins at 27 degrees. And I know a lot of my clients actually have those kinds of rising signs. And it's interesting. Of course, all astrology, I think, is a really great thing to study. And you can dive down any rabbit hole you like. So, But just so do you know, shamanic astrology uses whole house systems. Okay. And so that is... um, Interesting. What I think is cool about my chart, and I'm just going to say it here because right now I'm not having a nodal return. My nodes are in the Pisces uh, uh, Virgo axis, right? Which is a mutable, the other mutable axis though. So I'm having a nodal square, but the, um, the Gemini uh, uh, Sagittarius axis that my horizon lines on and my rising's at 27 degrees of Gemini and my descendant is at 27 degrees of Sagittarius, which is the galactic center. And the precise location of the galactic center is currently at 27 degrees Sagittarius um, and it lies below the elliptic and thus below and to the right of the intersection of the Milky Way and, and Zodiac constellations. Right. And this is but it's pretty close. Right. This is what it says in this book. I love that. They have these notes around like, 
hey, this is, you know, and this is why when I mentioned Carl Sagan and his uh, description of astrology as pseudoscience, let's be fair, all of this is kind of one of these, you know, metaphysical teachings that has been passed down from the ages. And certainly we didn't know what, I mean, Chiron was just, you know, starting to become a, you know, we didn't even know about it until the seventies, the 1970s. So certainly, you know, and, and our planets have, or some of the signs have modern rulership and traditional rulership. So there's definitely been an evolution of, of astrology based on what we know about the universe and also what we know about ourselves and it's been a reflection and so i want to just kind of posit that astrology whether sound science or not is a reflection of the human experience based on a holistic look at psychology and when you ask yourself questions based on very simple kinds of um, astrological duality questions right talking about the axis between Gemini and Sagittarius. Like, Gemini wants to communicate. It wants to expand upon language. It, because it's, because it's mutable sign, it's mutable air, it wants to transcend, right? Mutability, um, the mutable signs really are transcendent signs. So Gemini is the transcendent air sign. Sagittarius is the transcendent fire sign. It transcends this aspiration of going to, you know, the 100%, right? Jupiter is like nine, <laughs> over 9,000. As my kids say, I have no idea what that fucking means, but you've heard it. Over 9,000. Um, so there's this sense that this axis, it, it's, it takes wisdom or communication and it expands it. You know, even though Gemini is not necessarily, I mean, it's ruled by Mercury. Mercury is a very quick-witted, fast-paced messenger. It move, you know, it's very mobile, right? Incidentally, Mar Mercury also rules the mutable Earth sign, the transcendent Earth sign, right? Uh, Virgo. But Mercury is this really fast and far, it goes fast and far, right? It's lapping planets. And so when we talk about Jupiter as the ruler of, of Sagittarius and talk about its optimism and its ability to feel like the future is bright, right? I mean, that's a very Sagittarius thing, you know, thinking about the, the, the United States and, and it's uh, Sagittarius rising, like despite all evidence, right? <laughs> Everything's going to be great. It's going to be great. You know, this is very Sagittarius language, you know. And, you know, again, though, without that optimism, sometimes, you know, you can get to a point where in that shadow side is, well, it's not worth doing. If I really don't believe in that positivity, why would I fucking do that? Right. So it can breed into a type of existential crisis, I think, that, you know, the shadow of of Sagittarius can be existential crisis because if there's no purpose, there must be purpose. What am I doing this for? Why am I seeking this knowledge? Why am I trying to 
um, prove that I can do these things for myself, right? Why am I trying to scale this mountain? Why am I trying to go where, you know, go and do something that no one's ever done before? Push the boundaries, right? All of these things are very Sagittarian. If it lose sights of its purpose, Sagittarius energy can fall flat. And with, um, with Jupiter kind of going through Capricorn, there's been a little bit of a, ooh, you know, it's like we've really had to push through, persevere. And when you look at how many people are actually seeing silver linings, thank God Jupiter was in the mix during this Capricorn Saturn situation. Jupiter was helping us to see the silver linings in every situation, right? The joy of missing out is a real thing. And even as an extroverted person who really loves social gatherings, I've really enjoyed parts of this year, even with everything. And I think that when I look at where Jupiter is moving through in my personal chart, and for you it will be different, possibly, but it's moving through my seventh and eighth chart. So working on the fact that I can move past those boundaries, those physical boundaries, okay? Physical boundaries is Capricorn's jam, <laughs> right? Capricorn is physical boundaries. So while Jupiter's moving through Capricorn, it's like, how can we push through physical boundaries? How can you tell that I'm smiling with my mask on? I saw a mask the other day that said I'm smiling on it, which was fucking amazing. <laughs> I was like, yes. So, so there's this sense that we've had to really overcome physical distance. And it really became real. So thanks. Thanks, universe. Thanks for that lesson, right? But when Jupiter fails, when Sagittarius fails, okay, they're still optimistic. Why? Because they fucking learned something. They're like, wow, I learned that I, you know, maybe you learned that like being at home and working from home as you once thought was, is not that great. Maybe you thought homeschooling, maybe I should really try homeschooling. And after this year, you're like, fuck that. Right. Maybe, maybe there's just, maybe there's just tiny things that you learned, you know, tiny things like I really rely on external expectations for me to build a schedule, right? Maybe your schedule, you, maybe you've always thought yourself be a really regimented person and very much you're on time. You have your kind of shit together, but without that external like responsibility of showing up a place, like did what, what fell to the wayside? What was extra? What was too much? And when we go into next year, as Jupiter moves into Aquarius, we get to decide what to take with us, right? And I think it might get a little bit easier for some of us, especially Capricorns. If you've been feeling really trapped and you have large, you know, you have prominent placements in, in Capricorn, you know, you've been slogging it more than, more than most um, because your mental game is also really um, going through this, especially if in those last 10 degrees, you know, 20 to 29 degrees. 
right? If, if you have, if you have your sun sign there, your um, rising sign, your moon sign, Mars, Mercury, any of those in your natal placement in those last few degrees of Capricorn, you have been put through it um, this year in, in a really intense way. And I wouldn't be surprised if you've battled a, a, a fair amount, if not debilitating depression or, um, and, and not even like, not even in a way that, um, you know, maybe some of you notice because, you know, Capricorns are very hardworking and they pride themselves on, on having things, you know, that they, that they're consistent, right? So you've probably most, you know, probably still been paying your bills, probably still been, but the worry and the stress of, of, you know, manifesting certain things, um, like feeling safe and feeling like everything's going to be the same, you know, Capricorn energy really loves having similar things. Now, on the other hand, we move into Sagittarius. I got all derailed. Did you see where that went? Because I want to take care of my Capricorn friends. I know so many Capricorns in my life. I draw them into my business like, um, like my daughter to candy stores. And I don't know exactly why, except for my mother and my grandmother were both Capricorns. My mother-in-law is a Capricorn. And since I've begun working with astrology as my full-time business, um, (laughs) I've drawn more and doing circles and stuff, more Capricorns than any other sign. But so I love you. I'm sending you love. It will, you, you will get released a little bit. There's still some stuff, you know, Pluto's sticking around for a while. So, um, have some patience with yourself, um, and reach out to, to those that you trust and love. Okay. All right. So back to this axis of Gemini and Sagittarius. So the sun moved into Sagittarius and it's, you know, this time of year, because it's edging towards everything can, you know, moving forward the sun now is involved. The sun now is, you know, is involved. Jupiter being uh, Sagittarius's ruler, as soon as the sun moves into that sign, wherever Jupiter is in the current transits kind of gets a little bit of a ooh, 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 right? So, so while things move through Sagittarius too, by the way, so Mercury has been, you know, going to move through Sagittarius this month and, and Venus has moved through there. So there's, you know, all of these planets are going to start because they kind of, they kind of travel in a group, right? Some of them will retrograde, but the, but the personal planets, Venus, Mars, Mercury, the moon, the moon moves, 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 right? But, um, Venus, Mercury, and Mars generally are somewhere around the sun. They either enter the sign right before it or right after, depending on their retrograde cycles. So they're, they're, they're kind of in cahoots, right? And so we're starting, you know, and this, this helps us integrate the mental aspect of things, right? Mercury, the heart center aspect things, right? Venus, the power, the core, the um, solar plexus, the root chakra, even stuff, right? Mars all of our power. So our power and our heart and our mind are, are traveling kind of together with the sun for the most part. And, and it's integrating all of these lessons. So as everything kind of moves into the Sagittarian world, we're going to end up 
feeling this optimism more, feeling as though we're going to make it through. And there's a lot of things that have opened up and been available to us, even within the pan, you know, even though the numbers are really bad right now, I'll just use the pandemic as the eminent example, even though we're, we're looking at spikes, we are not in the same place that we were um, as an economy or even as um, citizens, right? We're not kind of caught unawares by it. Most of us have been in quarantine, so shutting, quote, quote unquote, shutting down again is not that big of a deal. And so now we need to, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, that resurgence of the essential worker and really understanding their trials and their issues and their fears and their needs as collective care is going to actually, I think, get a lot better because we have been going through this. And as Jupiter and Saturn move into Aquarius, we're going to start to look at, well, what can modern technology and modern life and a collective sense of care help us to understand what these people are going through who've been working the whole time, who are now, you know, kind of being leaned on again further because of the surges. I'm talking about nurses, medical care professionals um, specifically, but it goes way beyond that, right? We all know that people who are delivering things, um, and, and everything, which is, you know, interesting, you know, Mercury moving into Sagittarius, hopefully the supply chains and all of that stuff, you know, Mercury's done retrograding. So supply chain issues hopefully are going to kind of be, be okay. Now Mercury's going to retrograde again in the end of January of next year. And so, I'm hoping that between now and then we work out some of any kinks that we think might happen because that's going to be interesting. Uh, stay tuned. Um, have I completely unfocused myself? Maybe. So when the lunar nodes moved into Sagittarius Gemini, it was um, earlier this year, earlier this pandemic excuse me, um, earlier this pandemic. So we have been, um, experiencing a, a shift of that energy already and what has happened. Okay. So let's talk about where we were so we can really understand this shift prior to May of this year, 2020, the lunar nodes were in cancer Capricorn. The, the Cancer Capricorn axis, the fourth and tenth house, is associated with the mother and the father. It's associated with nurturing and government, law and order, Capricorn, and um, home, home order, right? Safety on, on, a, on a home level and safety on a security level, on like a global security level. And we've been, what the lunar nodes dictate, um, you know, from a, from an experiential standpoint is that that's where all the eclipses happen. Okay. The eclipses are going to happen on that lunar elliptic, right? That's where that, the moon crosses that elliptic and that's why we get eclipses. So all of the eclipses for the last year and a half prior to May of this year have been happening in the sign of cancer and the sign of Capricorn. And in fact, both 
2019 and 2020 in January, we had a Capricorn um, new moon eclipse and they were very intense personally for me, but they were definitely precursors. They're precursors to some of the, you know, kind of intelligence and communication and universal lessons that we're learning. Those downloads that happen during those eclipses. So you might look at the eclipses of the Cancer Capricorn to understand what we were kind of getting ready for, right? Because every energy as we move, it's not just like, oh, hey, and now here's the test. It's like everything is integrated. This is why... You know, it's so interesting to understand and so important, I think, as a, as a study, you know, as a student of astrology, to necessarily look at how everything flows from one energy to the next. It's always going to go from cardinal, which is what Cancer Capricorn is. Car cancer is the cardinal water sign and Capricorn is the cardinal earth sign. So the cardinal signs, they go first. Okay, they're like, I make it, I, you know, in, in Capricorns, I manifest, I create structure, I solidify, um, you know, with, with a real, in, in the real life, right? I bring it into reality. So you can look at it, right? You may not like it, but you will be able to see it, feel it, touch it, right? Um... And then the cardinal water sign of cancer, it's willing to feel, right? It's willing to, to be emotional. It's willing to um, be vulnerable and generous and have connection that, that um, you know, without sarcasm, right? Connection without sarcasm is one of um, cancer's, I think, you know, deep superpowers in this world. It's hard to be a cancer because you, especially if you're a cancer man, you really have to suffer in silence because no one wants to hear how intense things are for you. And there is a sense that the cancer who, who is willing to, you know, create emotional language, by the way, if you, if you grew up in a household with a cancer, there's two things that probably happened. It depends on how activated and healed that aspect of them is. But you learned that your feelings mattered or you learned to hide your feelings with the, you know, with like lockdown security. Right. So you either <laughs> and that may be true for everyone. OK, because we all have cancer in our charts and so do our parents um, and so does society. But noticing, again, the U.S. retrograding, Mercury retrograding in cancer, um, it's like it's like we don't even know um, the depths of our feelings. We just know that we, we feel so much. It's just everything, right? So maybe there's a vagueness to it that we've... Um, uh, and that we think that feeling better is, is feeling great, no, feeling better is just literally feeling the feelings, right? We we have to actually sit with the feelings to feel them. We don't, you know, and, and suppression of feelings is nothing new in the patriarchy, right? Um, you can't really take astrology. You can't take the patriarchy out of the astrology until, you know, we've really healed those, those detrimental aspects. 
Um, because even feminine signs, you know, when you look at them through the male gaze, um, they, they have trauma there. So I would say that the, the, the Cancer Capricorn axis has, you know, started to crumble along with the patriarchy. What is a woman? What is a man? What is a mother? What is a father? And as we start to kind of crumble those really hard and fast, um, rules, laws, we make new language, we make new, um, new institutions, right? The institution of gay marriage was really acted on within those nodes, like in a way that it wasn't prior to those nodes shifting. Um, and they always go retrograde. So, um, before that we were in a, a node of, uh, Leo Aquarius, which is when, <laughs> dude was, um, elected. So we, ha we have had, you know, and, um, if you look, of course, because we've only got six axes, right? There's 12 signs, but there's six polarity axes. Okay. So we're experiencing these, um, these axes more often than we would, um, say a return of the normal sort. Do you understand? Am I, are you with me? Because it's a axis, it's a line across, right? It's a polarity. So when you look at that piece of pie, you're not just talking about the, the 12th house or that rather the, you know, in, in cancer Capricorn, you're not just talking about the 10th house in Capricorn. You're talking about the fourth house in cancer. And so, um, nine years later, when the pol polarities shift and we're talking about a North node in, um, in Capricorn and a South node in cancer, we're still looking at that access and those things, except we're taking the lessons from that last lunar node, the North node and we're, um, or the South node then, right? So if cancer, so cancer was the North node, the next time we, we work with this axis, cancer will be the South node. We'll take that emotional language that we learned while the North Node was in Cancer, hopefully, if we did the work, right? And we will use it to become more, um, more ordered and structured and foundation-oriented, solidifying those foundations so that they're written into the soup, right? It's in the, what's that, what is that? It's the written into the soup. What the fuck? Um... They're in the sauce. It's in the sauce. <laughs> I, so, so we're, we're always working with those polarities and we're learning more and, and we're, and we're adding in and we're integrating. And I think that astrology offers us this very interesting language that, that we all really understand. It's archetypal language. Um, and so, you know, Gemini as a North node, it's the, you know, it's the mutable air again. It's the mental aspect. It's almost like here, here, this is lovely. I love this. This is from, we'll just read. Um, this is from the shamanic astrology handbook. Talks about the archetypal energy of, um, of Gemini. And it says, Gemini's training, okay, sorry, 
No, no, no. Where was I? Where was I looking at? Oh, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Um, so. No, this isn't what I was going to. So it talks about all these different. So it says like it's the true, um, the troubadour minstrel, the trickster magician, the shapeshifter, the psychopomp. Right. The Hioka coyote man woman. The storyteller, the entertainment t entertainer, the court jester, the clown, the fool in the tarot cards, right? And it talks about the archetypal images of Gemini include the troubadour minstrel, the trickster magician, the coyote, the court jester, and the clown. The court jester was the only one who could tell the king and not king the, t the truth, tell the king the truth and not be killed for it because he was not operating out of ego stance. Archetypal Gemini also connects with the fool in the tarot cards depicting, depicting leaping, empty-handed into the void, all while knowing he or she is not affected by the laws of gravity, having transcended or gone beyond the rules of this reality. And this is exactly what Gemini is good at. And if you've known a Gemini, and especially if you knew a Gemini in your younger years or were the Gemini, I guarantee they were somebody that people kind of saw as like this rogue leader. They didn't really have to assert themselves as a leader like maybe an Aries would, where they have to literally say like, we're going to go do this this way. Who's with me? Gemini would just literally pantomime and like show everybody how kind of fun it was to shapeshift into something new and they would follow suit. There was something about the charm of a Gemini that even if they offended you, you kind of felt like, you know, well, they never promised me anything anyways. Could definitely get into problems and boundary violations, but it was fun, right? There was this something sense, there was this sense of um, invincibility that has to do with that transcendent air quality of these rules don't apply to me. And it's really interesting to look at, again, where in your chart the north nodes are right now and where Gemini is in your chart and say, how am I expecting these rules not to apply to me? Or how can I shift my mentality to even talk myself out of needing what I thought I needed? Right? Gemini loves changing minds, changing ideas. The creative muse is all part of the Gemini archetype. And so pushing those boundaries of creative, um, you know, creative expression and really saying like, I'm going to, I'm going to explore, which is interesting because, you know, and, and in the harvest work, you know, the third house where Gemini and, and uh, Mercury built the third house they use that word explore, um, explore, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, exploratory growth. It's growth that has to do with exploring. And exploring is a very Gemini, uh, um, Gemini word, but it's also a very uh, Sagittarius word. I seek, I'm going to go explore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand my horizons. It's a very Sagittarius thing to do. White, right? It's like the Gemini and Sagittarius went in Rome 
well, I will act as though I am from here. I'm going to submerge myself, immerse myself. I'm going to learn the language, right? This is what Gemini and, and Sagittarius together as a team, they're, they're going to learn the language. They're going to understand at a very high level because they've, you know, in, in the Gemini sense, it's like it's a very mundane daily kind of dose, daily dose. I'm going to submerge myself daily in this thing. I'm going to do it every single day and it will become me. I will become it. This is how Gemini, you know, is they're such good actors. They're such good performers. They're good entertainers. They submerse themselves and they um, will they can pantomime. They can mirror, you know, the twins, Gemini. Right. It doesn't make it very easy to depend on them necessarily unless you're depending on them <laughs> to be creative then you will always be overjoyed. And when paired up with that sense of Sagittarius where they want to push and seek, it's like they are not afraid together. These two archetypes, they are unafraid of the boundlessness, limitlessness that we might find if you just keep going. What happens if you just say, well, these rules don't apply to me? What becomes possible then? Of course, <laughs> you've got Scorpio season on one side and Capricorn season on the other side going like, okay, let's get some popcorn. This is going to be a show on that Capricorn side, right, of Sagittarius. And then on the Gemini side, we've got Aries and, or I'm sorry, Taurus and, Can and Cancer. And Taurus and Cancer are like, hmm. I mean, I just set up, Taurus is like, I just set up camp. I just got myself um, into a perfect Netflix and chill, you know, blanket burrito. And I am, am good, right? And, <laughs> and Cancer's like, you know, making the stew. They're making the stew. They're like, well, we're going to nourish the stew. What do you want in the stew? And the Gemini, you know, is, is kind of, you know, writing prose and deciding, you know, what next adventure um, they might dream up. Now, that whole axis is about transcendence. Again, it's that mutable um, fire air energy. It wants to go far. It's fueling the forest fire. How far can we go? Limitless limitless it's the the potential is limitless right that's a very american thing to say with that sagittarius rising so when we look at this gemini eclipse let's talk about this gemini eclipse in closing okay on um, november 30th there will be a full moon eclipse at eight degrees gemini now it's a it's a um penumbral eclipse which means that it's not it's in the same sign as the nodes but it's not a full full-on eclipse now the Sagittarius eclipse on December 14th is a full a total eclipse but this full moon in Gemini is not a total eclipse there isn't anywhere on the planet that you can be and see a full eclipse of the moon so we're we're not gonna you know it's not the same but it's still very powerful because, again, a north node, south node axis in the natal chart, what it does is it tells us 
the karmic situation, the karmic lessons that we learned in our past life, the south node, what we brought in as mastered, right? We mastered it in this last life to a, to a X degree, whatever. We, we don't know, right? Ask your guides. You, you come in with this south node. For instance, mine's from Pisces. I have a Pisces south node. So intuition and sensitivity and all that business comes real easy to me, right? So easy that I don't even, I didn't even recognize that that's what was happening for fucking most of my life. Um, and then the North node where your North node placement is right now. Um, let's, let's back up. Let's talk about the actual, what happened. So the South node, it was, you know, in Sagittarius is in Sagittarius right now. So nine years ago, the North node was in Sagittarius. Got me. Okay. Nine years ago, 2011 ish. So we're looking at that span of nine years where we learned when the North Node was in Sagittarius. What did we learn? 2011. You might look back to yourself and be like, well, what the fuck did I learn in 2011? What was what was what was being taught in me? What was I learning? Right. Again, you know, Sagittarius being very much the student, very much the teacher, the inner guru the outer guru, the cultural in, enrichment of, of being out in the world, exploring new lands, exploring new um, subjects, exploring new parts of yourself. Seek, 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 find purpose, expand. Um, all of this, right? All of this is, is, gem, is uh, Sagittarius fodder, you know? It really wants to understand through experience. It's not afraid of experiencing anything. Willing to experience anything. That doesn't mean it's not, doesn't have other things going on, right? This is pure Sagittarian energy. And so that south node now is, is, is informing us. We had all this invincibility, this limitlessness. We felt very like everything was aligned and positive and going the right way. We've, we'd kind of turned a bunch of things around maybe, right? Things were growing. The economy's good. All this stuff. Well, am I setting it up here? And then we get here and now, um, the North nodes in Gemini, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we've been learning new language for how to communicate between serious divisiveness and, and everything becomes, you know, kind of political. It's been interesting. If you're somebody who really is involved in this axis, we need to learn. We need to learn about spanning those bridges. We need to understand that we are, you know, involved in this conversation with the universe where there are polarities trying to integrate each other into the world in, in kind of an equal playing field. So what does that look like within us? What does that look like within our families? What does that look like within our communities? And Gemini, that North Node in Gemini, and this um, first eclipse in Gemini is like, what new language are you going to create to express your reality? What new daily practice can you do so that you are um, expressing yourself and exploring the growth that's possible, right? Taking all of that wisdom and 
limitlessness and positivity from that south node of of Sagittarius and utilizing it to form new communication pathways in your brain perhaps right the, the um, mercury which rules gemini is your brain so neural pathway growth is huge right now so what are we using that neural pathway energy to do right how are we utilizing technology again mercury has to do with you know technology and messages so using messenger using technology to talk to people marco polo all of these things these new technologies that we can use to expand our our surroundings and learn more and understand better and communicate more not less right these are not times to shut down your truth it's not time to like attack anyone for their truth either but it's a time for you to speak your truth and come to it with that sense of Sagittarian curious and, and Gemini, this curiosity of, but what if my thoughts about myself are just that, nothing more? What if my thoughts only come from my experience and, it, and that, that is actually limited? It's limited to what I've experienced. Can I be curious enough to, to really embrace what maybe someone else is saying, even when I don't agree? And can we together, through this bridge of curiosity, through this polarity of Sagittarius and Gemini, who wants to understand this, this energy of wanting and seeking understanding, seeking um, not compromise, but clear communication. Right? Now I want to look up Brené Brown's um, chart. I feel like she's very Sagittarian. It's like, how, what can we learn about these other people that will help us to speak their language from both sides, right? It's not anybody's job, <laughs> by the way. Um, but if you have the wear for out, you might spend some time while the lunar nodes and during this eclipse season considering your methodology of speaking to others and your way of listening. Can we get more curious? Can we receive more wisdom from listening to somebody else's experience? Can we ask better questions? Right? I think that's very Sagittarian is to ask really good questions. Questions are excellent teachers. All right, I'm going to leave you with that. I love you. I hope that you're well. Don't forget, you are powerful as fuck. Act like it. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for listening. It means so much for me to have this voice and for you to be on the other end. If you've never reached out, I hope that you will and let me know how this landed. If you're interested in learning more, go to paintedgoddess.com slash learn astrology and sign up for the lab. 
I hope that you have a wonderful day. Don't forget, you are powerful as fuck.